0: This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a reinvention coach and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. Today, we have a very special guest who's experienced seven different careers and counting, I'm going to guess, at this point in her journey. We have Carrie Schwer, who is an executive lifestyle coach specializing in the many gray areas that we have in our lives. Her zone of genius is in habit creation, communication, leadership development, and intentional living by design. As a former gray area drinker, Carrie founded Gray Tonic and the Question the Drink movement in 2018. After her own experience of living in the gray, led her to the service of others. She offers bespoke coaching for business leaders seeking wellness, performance, and better relationships without alcohol. Carrie has also co-authored two books. Her first book was The Successful Mind, Tools for Living a Purposeful, Productive, and Happy Life. She followed that up with Limitless, How 27 Impact Driven Leaders Broke Free of Their Pasts and Claimed Their Power to Shape the Future. Limitless actually just launched in June of 2023 and is available for order on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. So do check that out later. Carrie, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, be here. Share with us your journey to reinvention. And, you know, we've got a lot of really great topics and insights that we're going to be able to share with the audience. But I always love kicking off with someone's journey to reinvention. So let's start with this seven career thing, like tell us a little bit about the major stops along your journey to reinvention, because you've done so many things, you know, you've, uh, from what I've seen, banking, food and beverage, medical, automobiles, most recently becoming a coach and author. So there's a lot and I'm sure I've missed a couple things in there. Give us that high level, like all the major stops and, you know, maybe share some of like the, the highlight moments, good or bad of that journey before we jump into some of the other topics.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's it's not really stops. So it was more like stumble upon or landed <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> some of it was it. intentional, most of it not intentional. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the, the irony about my entire journey in my career is that it has never been really intentional except for the last pivot, which was into coaching, which we'll talk about later. But it was really about trying to find this soul inside of me that lived and I I couldn't find my way. It was sort of like the next best thing. I'll try this instead. You know, and, and fortunately, I was pretty good at everything I, I, you know, went out to accomplish, which was a good part. The bad part was it never did fulfill me. So it was more more of a stumble and a fall into it rather than let me be intentional. And this is what I'm going to go after.
0: Yeah, that, that's an interesting point right there in terms of, well, a couple of things that I actually really like about what you said. One, it sounds like for you, the journey to reinvention, it was it, it's you in pursuit of who you are. You weren't really in pursuit of discovering who you are, who you really are at your core. You know, there was somebody I interviewed for my book who t- called it like peeling the layers. And he goes, for him, reinvention has just been a way to peel the layers. Every stop or every stumble or whatever you want to call it, however you refer to it. For him, he said it was all about peeling layers and getting closer to his core. And he feels like he's closer than ever. And he'll probably get closer than even that, you know, a few years down the road. So I thought that's a really interesting point right there. I also love what you said about stumble, that there wasn't so much intention going from stop to stop and that's something that appears in um, David Epstein's book, Range, How Generalists Thrive in a Specialist World or something like that. I'm forgetting the full title right now, but he talks about this project that's hosted at Harvard called The Dark Horse Project, and essentially they're studying career paths and they're trying to understand you know, what successful career paths look like. And what they found was that when you zoom out, they all tend to look like straight lines. But when you zoom in, you see all these zigs and zags. And when you interview those people, they say pretty much what you say, you know, that it it wasn't so much that I, you know, kind of like made stops along the journey. It was more that I stumbled into things. You know, I tried things out. I was in pursuit of figuring this out at that moment, or I had different intentions, but I only took it one step at a time. So I didn't have this whole thing mapped out. And, I love hearing that from you because, well, you know, sometimes we read these studies and we wonder, yeah, but did they interview any real people? Well, here's real people (laughs) right in front of me. And you're sharing with us that that was your journey. So, you know, are there any moments along that journey that, that, you know, just stand out? Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit later about, you know, the gray area is and we're going to talk a little bit about your business and your coaching and your books. But any highlight moments or any like any interesting discoveries or patterns, you know, as you went through that journey that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, yeah, there is. And before I jump right into that, as you were talking, I couldn't help but thinking about the word priming and training. And I feel like even though some of the some of my career choices were not intentional, I can look back on them now and think, whoa, they were all part of the ultimate plan, the ultimate priming and training for me to be where I'm at today. I needed to have all those experiences for me to be in this position now. That is 100% truth. Some hard lessons along the way that stand out for me is, At one point, I was in the food and beverage industry, and this is when my kids were little. You know, we moved from another, uh, from one city to the next. We didn't have family. We did not have daycare, any relatives around to help us with the children. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to make ends meet. And I got a job as a bartender and a server and worked the restaurant business. Well, I made bank doing that. I mean, I was doing really well. I worked at a very high-end restaurant. I was one of the top servers. I was handpicked for this brand new restaurant. I mean, I really had a golden ticket in, the, in this field, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. I wanted to feel validated. I wanted to feel better than. And I went after a food and beverage position at a country club, a posh country club. And to this day, I look back and I think to myself, that was one of the biggest pivotal moments in my life. Because what I thought I wanted was to be a boss and a manager and lead people. And what it ended up doing was fueling my future wine addiction. And I didn't know it. And I I was under so much stress and so much pressure during that time and overseeing, you know, 40-something employees and two different levels whether you know helped out with the banquets and then in the dining room and trying to deal with the guests and all that and i i can't help but think if i would have stayed the path i was on and just switched careers at that point i may have saved myself but looking back on it i'm so grateful for that time because it really helped shape me on who i am today it helped really show me what an awful leader i was Absolutely awful and how I learned over the years, which is funny because I teach leadership now. So it's one of those uh ironic twists and turns that that happen. So that was probably the biggest one. And then the second one was real estate. When I was in real estate for a couple of years, I thought it was the perfect career choice for me. You know, I love people, I love homes, I love financial things, you know, I, I just it was all perfect on paper. What I didn't realize is how much of you you're actually selling. And at that time, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to put myself out there publicly. And there's a reason for that. It was how I was feeling about myself, which we'll get into later. But I didn't realize how detrimental that career choice would be for my soul. And I, again, I was like, why did this happen? Why did I even have these two years of this, you know, quote unquote wasted time? during that time but now i look back and think oh thank goodness i went through all that because that was one more you know i don't want to say failures there are no failures but it was one of those lessons that we can go aha i can put meaning on this now and i can understand why this the path took me there so those are probably the two big standouts for me that i can think of
0: you know this last one you shared i think is really important this key idea that you know, it seemed like wasted time in the moment and maybe even after for a little while until a little more time passed and then you reflected and realized it was not wasted time. Lessons were learned. You discovered more about yourself. And this is what I've learned from talking to so many others who've gone through their journeys to reinvention. There really is no wasted time, you know, and I think this is a big idea that I want to lift up for listeners right now because they might be worried that the next decision they make could be that wasted time but it sounds like it it probably won't be.
1: That's right. That's right. We're guided in certain ways and directions. And at the time we, you know, we're thinking it's the right choice. And and perhaps it really is the right choice. And we don't know it until later and we can find those gifts and those blessings, because there always is one.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I think those two stories are really great for, you know, kind of moving us because you gave us like little teasers about what we're gonna talk about in a moment. And there were parts to those stories that I think will help us understand you know, or uh, provide context for what we're about to talk about. So one of the topics that, you know, you've really built an entire business around is the gray area. There's are so many gray areas in our lives. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about it. Wow. Because I know you lead with, you know, the gray area drinking. But then, you know, you shared with me like, no, there's gray area and so many other things like your careers, habits, relationships. So tell us, you know, what is the gray area to you? Teach us about the gray area, I should say, because you just have such a great way of putting it. So I'm not sure there's any way I could prompt you here except... Teach
1: us about the gray area. <laughs> so the gray area, is that there's many, like you said, there are many gray areas we have in our life. And it's any place that you feel you're just existing. You're living in mediocrity and complacency and you're settling for less than. Nothing is terrible, but nothing is that great. So, you know, kind of my little tagline is, let's go from gray to great. How do we move you out of the gray to a great place? Like how, how can we get you to thrive? Because what happens over time is, We get settled in and we accept our then standard. And our standard, whatever our standard is for ourselves, the way that we live, the way that we conduct ourselves, the habits that we choose to to have in our life, the career choices, the money that we make, the friends that we keep. If all those become complacent and those become your standard, your identity is matching what your standard is. Your standards is your identity period because your behaviors are matching that as well. So we need to learn, like if we're if we're not happy in any particular area in our life, whether it is in our career or it's in our health and our habits and our marriages, our relationships, our, even our relationships with our kids, our friendships, even with our thinking, we can have a gray area. Spirituality is another big gray area. So there's there's all sorts of places that we can look at and say, Am I living at the most optimal place that I can? And if I'm not, what can I do about it? You know, having that drive and that desire to up level yourself and get out of the gray is really where I focus on, because let me tell you, Roger, it is not fun just existing and walking through life and just kind of letting life happen to you rather than you being the creator of your life, along with your higher power, God source, whatever you want to refer to you know, partnering with, with that and creating the life that you truly want to live and have. And that is truly my message is because I want to see people thrive. I don't want them just going through life thinking, is this as best as it will be? Is this as good as it'll get? Because the answer is no, there's always room for advancement and expansion. And that's who I like to work with is to really focus on those key core gray areas that they have in their life.
0: This is powerful. I loved what you said earlier. Moving from gray to great—I mean, that says a lot, right there. And just this idea that we can move from gray to great—that it doesn't have to stay that way. And I think a lot of times it could be scary to think that maybe this is the way it's gonna be forever. I don't know because I don't know what to do, you know. And one of the things that I know we're gonna talk about in a moment is this idea that the how of doing something can get us stuck. Oh well, I don't know how to get out of this gray area. I don't know how to learn that thing. I don't know how to start that business or whatever it might be. And we forget that, no, wait, there's something we want and there's probably a reason why we want it. And we'll probably figure out how. We'll talk about that later. But this idea that we can move from gray to great again, it's that making that decision that we can move to great, And it is possible. And I thought that right there is a super empowering line. But this other thing you said about identity and, and actually going even a step back before that, you talked about how we can really settle into this gray area and then make that the standard those are those become our standards i feel like and and i'd love for you to expand on this a little bit more how maybe easy it can be to set a standard and almost not realize that you're living within a set of standards that are not that you didn't really choose intentionally but you're in now because i, I feel like it's one of those things and and again i want you to expand on this but that we could actually do without even realizing it you know like I'm trying to think, there's this great metaphor about, I don't know, a fish in water, you know, doesn't really know that they're surrounded by water. So I feel like there's something there that applies. So I'm going to let you take it from here before I mangle up any more metaphors.
1: Yes, it's definitely having awareness. So it's just bringing awareness to those areas of your life. So I invite the listener to really think about certain areas in your world, whether it is, again, you know, I know most of it's on careers, but when we think about even our relationships, and I'll give you a really good example. Four years ago, I celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary with my husband. Yes, we got married when we were 10, in case you were wondering, Roger. (laughs) But 30 years of marriage, and I went to my husband after 30 years and said, I don't want to be married anymore. I'm not happy in this marriage. And I know that sounds very bold and brash to say that, but that's how I was feeling. And the reason why is because we had entered a very deep stage of gray in our marriage his head was down all the time. He wasn't happy. He was consumed by his work. He was in a very stressful time, you know, at that, at that time, four years ago in his workplace, there was a lot of moving parts going on. He was very unhappy. He came home, his head was down. I was only a year into entrepreneurship myself and I was so excited to share everything with him. And that was the last thing he wanted to talk about. And so not only did our intimacy, our sex life start to diminish, Our communication was awful. You know, we were very snappy with each other and we entered the stage of not even being attracted to one another. So we entered this this gray area and, and that's when I started thinking about the gray areas more than just gray area drinking, that we can have these areas in our life where we become so complacent and it happens right before our eyes. We don't even realize it's happening. All of a sudden we wake up and we're like, how the heck did I get here? It's like gaining weight. Same thing with gaining weight. It sneaks up on you. You don't get on the scale. You jump on the scale after a while. And then you're like, whoa, I just gained like 10 pounds. How the heck did that happen? Well, it happened because you weren't paying attention. It was happening because you weren't aware of what you were doing. And so many of us fall to victim of just letting life happen around us and we're not intentional. That's why I focus so much on intentional living. What are we doing every day that's intentional? And the other thing, kind of a funny little saying is that once you see it, once you start to examine those places in your life, you can't unsee it. You have a decision to make at that point, whether you're going to settle for it or not. And I hope the decision is to not and that you decide, you know what? I want to do something different. And this is where the reinvention really comes in. If you would have known me seven years ago, I was a completely different person, Roger, than I am here today. I didn't have confidence. I didn't love myself. I was in a dead-end job and career that I didn't like. I was in a dark place. And that's not who's sitting here with you today. So it absolutely is possible to find your way out of these gray areas that we have in our life so you can really feel good about yourself and thrive, not just exist, not just collect a paycheck or be handcuffed to a job because, you know, you have a 401k there and you have a pension plan. Like, who cares? There's so much more.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and to your point, it starts with that awareness because you're right. It's and I, I guess, you know, part of it, when I think about even just something that you mentioned the weight example. And last year, I had hit a certain weight. And I thought to myself when I had my moment of realization, and it wasn't because I was reflecting either. It was because something triggered it. Uh, and I'll tell you in a moment what it was, but I just found myself wondering, how the hell did I get here? Exactly like you said, like, how did I get to this point? And I guess it's because it's, you know, it happens so slowly and so like the increments are so small, you don't pay attention and if you don't stop to look at it or there isn't some sort of external trigger. In my case, the external trigger was that all of a sudden, like I had a speaking engagement that I had to travel to. And, you know, being at home most of the time, COVID, all of this, I could just wear shorts and things like that. So nice elastic bands. Like I couldn't really notice like the inches like really kicking in. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to put on a, you know, just a nicer pair of pants for this trip. And I'm trying on my clothes beforehand. And I'm like, what the hell happened? This doesn't fit. And I had to go buy new pants. And I was so pissed. Like that bothered me so much. And to your point, y- y- what you shared is really powerful because you're right. Like I could have just not done anything about it, but that bothered me so much. I was like, I must do something about this. Like no. I like, I gotta do something like no more. Like I cannot go buy the next size up yes. in a few months. Like cannot do that. Like I hate that I have these pair of pants. And every time I looked at that pair of pants, I was so angry that I even had them, that I needed them. And I'm like, oh, this is frustrating. And that got me on a path. And I ended up enrolling in Orange Theory Fitness. I ended up enrolling in a, a local yoga studio. And I'm hitting some of the best fitness that I've been in in a while since pre-pandemic. And to your point, though, like everything you said, like I'm like thinking about my own experience. And wow, you're right. You can just fall right into that. And I don't know how many months it took to get to that point that I just wasn't even aware. I was finding ways, I guess, to accommodate it. And you shared a really powerful example about a relationship. And I feel like in relationships, I think most people listening can connect or at least understand, like appreciate what you're saying mm-hmm. and how it can be easy to just wear those stretchy pants and not notice. Yeah.
1: You start drifting apart. And and you said something so powerful. I want to just recap what you said because it was yeah, amazing. Please. You said, I must do something about it. And that is really comes down to a decision. We must be able to make a decision. Either we're going to accept this or we're not. And you could have easily said, you know what, this is my new norm, AKA your new standard, your new level of acceptance. And you could have went out and bought the next size up pants. And that would have been, you know, totally fine. And that's what happens, especially as people start to age, you see this, they start to put on weight and whatever. And I'm just, you know, it's just, I'm getting older. It happens. You know, I call BS on that. That's just an excuse that becomes your new identity. So our behaviors follow what we believe about ourselves. So if we believe like, okay, I'm just going to be 10 pounds heavier because this is my new norm and because I'm getting older, well then, yeah, that's exactly, your behaviors are going to match that. You're going to continue not to take care of yourself, right? We start to lose our momentum. We start to lower our standards for ourselves or they remain the same when instead we're designed to do is keep elevating forward and upward and becoming becoming more of an expanded version of ourselves. That's why, you know, the the wise are are usually older, right? Because they've learned over the years. It's the same thing. We want to become wiser and and we want to be the best that we can. We want to reach an age where we said, wow, we can look back on our life and there's no regrets. No regrets that you didn't try something or you didn't step out in faith or you didn't, you know, do what you wanted to do. Having resentments that you didn't at least try. Is so gut wrenching, and I don't want anybody to go through that feeling. I want them to be able to at least try it, and if they fail, guess what? You could try again. Look at how many times some big time authors, you know, Jack Canfield with Chicken Soup for the Soul's or J.K. Rowling, right? I mean, look at how many times they were turned down from publishers—hundreds of times, over a hundred for each of them. And now look at the, yeah. the both those series how much money and wealth and success they've had because they didn't settle for no. So you got to keep trying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like, you know, there was something you said a moment ago about I, you know, when you were referring to the must part of it, I, there was a moment in my life where I actually accepted that. So I was younger, I was in my twenties and I was starting to gain weight during my first year, right out of university, like in my first corporate job. And I accepted Buying the bigger pants. I thought, you know what? I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are, yeah, they've got a bit of a belly. Life goes on. It's life, you know. I'm gonna probably get married and you know get a house and have a bigger belly, and that's just part of being an adult. And I like rationalized that this is okay. And 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 I, I wanted to bring this up because what your point? It's there's no guarantee that you just automatically go the the must path that I have to resolve this just because you became aware, you could also, and and so important for the listener to consider this, you can also choose the other side. You can say, let me lower my standards so that I can continue to fit it, like, so this works for me, so that this isn't a problem. And making that choice intentionally and not just kind of, to your use your word, drifting down into lower standards is going to be really important when you hit that moment, you know, whether it's, an, externally, you know, an external reminder, such as having to buy the new pants, or it's something that you reflect on and realize, you know, when you just say, whoa, this is not the life I ordered. This is not what I wanted. And now here I am in this moment.
1: Yeah. It just sneaks up on you. And that's the thing is we got to pay attention. We almost have to do an inventory. It's like, you know, we nobody does, nobody balances their checkbook anymore. But, you know, along those same lines, you know, follow me with the analogy here is that if we're, if we're monitoring what we're spending, for example, or even monitoring how much you're eating and you're doing like Fitness Pal or something like that. When we're actually seeing the progress or the the no progress, we're going backward and we're measuring it and we're seeing it, this will really help us. And it's the same thing. We want to take inventory on certain areas in our life. Relationships is a big one. Career is a ginormous one, right? Your health, your habits, those are huge how much internal yeah. peace do we have on some of those areas? What about your purpose? What, what what do you feel is your calling in life? And some people are like so stuck on that. Like, I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm here for. But have you ever yeah. asked all the right questions to even find out what that is? Most of us haven't. You know, we struggle with yeah. that question. I don't know a human alive that not has not asked that internal question for themselves. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Mm-hmm. And most often, if we're really being honest, what really drives a lot of us is fulfillment to know that we're a blessing to someone else, that we've done something to impact somebody else, right? It's not just about money. For some people it is. And if so, I wish you the best, but that's never going to get you anywhere. When you lead with your heart and with passion, the money comes, the money flows when Mm -hmm. we don't worry about it. When we're doing what we're called yeah. to do and we're excited about it, and it's the reason why we get out of bed every morning, everything else falls into place. And that's where the how is. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but just yeah. really focusing on leading with your heart and your passion and why you get out of bed in the morning is so important. And and that is truly when you get to that level, now you're moving out of the gray areas and into an exciting world where you can start to live, You know, forgive the pun here, living in full color. And that gray veil has been lifted.
0: I think this is where, you know, this awareness of, like you said, doing the inventory check on different areas in your life. I feel like this is where coaches are incredibly valuable. Having a coach, you've got an opportunity to check in on different areas of your life, on your goals. I know that when I work with my coach, this is something that I get to, you know, check in on. He's always like every so often after several sessions, it's like, let's check in on your goals. You know, I know we wrote them like a while back, but. Are they still meaningful to you? Do they still matter? Do you still want to do them? Even that, you know, which I thought, but I wrote them, so shouldn't I like stick to them? It's like not necessarily. If you don't care for it, why would you continue to pursue it? Yeah. But it's an opportunity to also look at other areas of my life how are you in fitness? Are you excited where you are? Like, what's going on? What have you achieved lately? And that that makes you feel good. Do you want to level it up? How do you want to level it up? And I remember like, I mean, these questions are like now almost ingrained how many times that he asks that question. And it's like it gets you going. But to your point, we don't wake up and ask these questions. You know, we don't usually stop to say like, let me just do this inventory on all these areas. And, you know, then unfortunately, sometimes it gets to the point where we need that external reminder something that happens, that, that breaking point, that snapping point.
1: The other thing worth noting here is, is the language that we use about ourselves and our mm-hmm. situation. And if you ever notice, uh, you know, I'm trained in NLP, so it's all about languaging, and if you've ever heard someone des- you know, describe their life or their situation and you really pay attention, it tells you a lot about what they believe, because the words that we say do matter. They make a significant difference in our behaviors. Again, this ties back to identity. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned my book in the intro. Thank you for that. Limitless. It just came out. I'm one of 27 authors. It is an anthology. It is an amazing book because all of us in that book have come from a place of, you know, the pits of darkness, if you will, into this aha moment that really was a instrumental part and pivot in our world that got us to where we are today and my chapter is called words matter and it's really a story it's my personal story it's about my drinking it was about you know i go into very raw and vulnerable never quite discussed in public before i put it in the book and it was really hard there's some hard language in there i mean we softened it up a little bit but it was a very difficult chapter for me to write in that aspect because it was bringing back some of the choices that I made at as early as age seven. And that also is in there, but declaring for myself who I wanted to be. And by saying those words out loud, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but saying certain words out loud is what drove my behaviors, which is who I became especially as a younger teenager into young adulthood, into my thirties and then eventually into my forties before I made this huge change in my life. So it's the story that led up to that and, you know, my decision to quit drinking and so forth. But really the words that you say out of your mouth really does manifest how you're behaving and your reality. So we got to be careful, like nothing ever happens for me. Nothing ever works out. Yeah, guess what? It won't. Because with that type of language, it's not going to work. Or, you know, it's always been this way for me. Really? Always? Because you're saying that it's always going to continue to be that way. So we really need to be careful with what we're saying out loud to ourselves and to others. Because it does drive a lot of what's going on in your life and your behaviors. And especially who you believe that you are. And if you're not happy with where you are right now, start speaking life into yourself. Start saying the things that you do want to see happen because you are capable of doing anything. If I could do it, trust me, anybody can. I should be dead. There's no reason why I should still be alive. And yet I am. So it's a big deal. The things that we say matters.
0: You know, it's interesting as a as a coach, I, I think a lot about how I ask a question, you know, because of this, what you just shared, because I can almost through my questions, speak a certain identity to somebody by saying, for instance, why do you think this always happens to you? Asking the question like that would assume that this always happens to you. And yet, while I may be more mindful about how I ask my clients and other people or students I've worked with how I ask a question, there are times where I realize I'm not as mindful when I ask myself those questions. You know, like I may not ask myself that question in the more empowering way. And I have to catch myself and realize, wait a minute, like, I wouldn't say it like that to a client. I would ask that question very differently. Why? Because it, you know, I think what you're trying to share here is it opens up so many more possibilities. You know, we talked a little bit about in our prep call, and perhaps you can comment on this, you know, the the power of questions and how questions can really just open up so many possibilities and help us get focused. Can you talk a little bit about then, you know, as we think about, as we catch, like, here are the things we're saying to ourselves that are not helping you know, how do we begin to shift into things that do help us, like that do empower us?
1: Yes. So, oh, I love that you asked this question. So our brains are better than Google. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, Carrie, come on, no way. Like we have we have chat, uh, chat GPT, we have AI now, you know, it, no doubt it's smarter than we can be when it comes to speed and, and all those things, but not with the human element, not with accuracy. But our brains are very good, and they are just as good as Google, if not better, when it comes to knowing what we want. The problem lies for most people is that we don't have the right questions that we are asking ourselves. So we want to find better quality questions. When we have better quality questions, guess what? We get better quality answers. You know, we, we go back into the files at deep inside of our brain and our unconscious, and we pull out those things that we want. So I'll give you a, a real life example. I was really struggling a couple weeks ago on a specific project. And I thought to myself, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? It was revamping an older program of mine and making some adjustments and changes. And I was really struggling over it. So what I did was instead of just going, oh, Throwing my hands up in the air. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Blah, 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 right? What can I do? What do I I know about this particular situation? What is the purpose and the why behind I want to do this particular project? What are the benefits? What are the outcomes I'm looking for? Who would it be impacting? Why is this so important to me to even consider this? What would happen if I tried... To do it this way instead of that way, you know, start thinking about different options, different avenues. Who could I talk to that might be able to help promote this with me and for me? And then I love getting out index cards. This is one of my favorite, favorite exercises to do, especially as someone like, you know, brand new in business or they're getting ideas for a business is to get yourself a stack of index cards, set a timer. I actually have a little timer right here, and it's got numbers on it like 10. 15 minutes, but I like 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, set yourself a timer, even on your phone and every possible thing that you can think of that you have knowledge about, or that lights you up, or that you want to um, share or teach or coach on, or whatever the business is that you think you want to do, write it down one thought per index card after 10 minutes. And what happens is, by the way, when you're timing yourself, You're actually telling your brain to hurry it up and find every possible thing because the goal is to get as many index cards as you can with as many ideas. One topic per index card. When the timer goes off, walk away. Do not try to make sense of any of it. Walk away. Go away for a half an hour, half a day, whatever. Come back to it at a later time. Now you want to take all those cards and you want to start to make sense of them throw out which is a as a dead no but anything that starts to make sense you can start to compile them into like categories. Like this could be topics that I could teach a course on. This is something that would work really well in my personal life, not so much for a business. This would be really interesting for me to bring some people together and start a group. Like whatever the themes are, you wanna try to create themes and patterns out of those index cards. And that's a really fun exercise. And again, you wanna time yourself on that one, like 10 minutes, give yourself 10 minutes to categorize and make sense of the index cards. This is such a phenomenal, phenomenal exercise for you to do, especially when you're trying to find the, the what, you know, those answers to the, what should I do questions? And then you can move into, you know, following the why, like, why is this important to you? And then guess what? The how will eventually unveil itself. We don't ever have to worry about the how. Let me repeat that again. You never have to worry about the how when you are struggling on trying to find a way to a new path or a new decision. Once you decide this is what you want to do, the how will show up every single time. You don't have to stress over it.
0: Such a key idea. I mean, I've discovered that even just when I reflect, I have to remind myself that when I encounter new challenges and I and I start to question that I don't know how to do that and maybe that's what's holding me back, I have to remind myself how many things have I done that when I embarked on that goal, I just knew I wanted that goal and that was it. And I knew why I wanted it, had a powerful why. And I figured it out, you know, whatever that was asking people for help or, you know, Googling it or doing whatever I have to do. Or just paying attention to what was around me already. To your point, like when you like we're better than Google. Right. And so there are a lot of times when we're searching for things, but when we know what we're searching for, it's a lot easier to find that I realize, hold on, wait a minute. I already have a workbook on that. Actually, <laughs> I didn't use it before, but it's sitting in my, in my closet. That could probably help me. There's a framework in there. Boom. Let me whip that out. You know, or I might have a resource, a free downloadable, something I downloaded maybe two years ago that I never did anything with, but there it is. Yeah. And so I think again, this idea, like when you know what you want, the how really just kind of, you know, it appears.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and the what, you know, the, the what question is it, you'll start to ask yourself like, you know, what do I need to do to make this happen? So another great example of real life, because stories I think always land the point home a little bit better. When I decided to start Greatonic, it actually I didn't even decide to start Greatonic; It sort of just happened. Yeah. No,
0: and this is actually perfect because <laughs> yeah. this is our final topic as we wrap up. So so tell us about this moment yeah, of so starting Greatonic, Tonic. I
1: did not set out to start my own business, you guys. Like I literally, it fell into my world can't even make this stuff up. I mean, it's truly like a God moment. So I was working after I decided to quit drinking in 2016. I went the traditional route of AA, was not a good fit. I was not an alcoholic. I was a gray area drinker, but I didn't know it. So I left the program and I ended up working with a coach. And this coach was a physician that I worked with when I was in the medical field. And we had a great relationship. You know, he was awesome to work with. I actually helped train him in aesthetics because I was, came from the world of plastic surgery and aesthetics and all that. That was one of my careers that I loved. And he was so instrumental in my growth. He shared things with me that I could not see for myself. And that's what a good coach does. They hold up the mirror and they show you the blind spots that you're just not seeing for yourself. They also show you the possibilities that you cannot see. And he did that for me. He said, Carrie, I really believe someday you're going to be a coach. And I think you're going to start your own business. And I think you're going to share your story about your drinking with the world. I busted out laughing. I was like, dude, no way is that ever going to happen. First of all, maybe I'd be a coach. Okay, I can kind of see that. But I don't want to start my own business. I have no desire to do that. And share my story. Are you crazy? Are you smoking crack over there? Because that's not going to happen. Like, never would I ever tell anybody about my relationship with alcohol. That's just not going to happen. I have, a, I have a reputation to keep for crying out loud. Like, it's not going to happen. Fast forward. I'm in church. It was in the summertime. They were talking about small groups. And I said, well, I want to start a small group. My husband said, I'm what? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about the gray areas that we have in our life. Well, the church didn't like the idea because they had a recovery group. And I said, great. I'm not recovery. I'm discovery. We're talking about the gray areas. Long story short, I left the church over it. They never saw my point of view with it. I was super hurt and I left angrily, right? My girlfriend calls me later that day. Hey, what's going on? Oh, you're upset. What's going on? I tell her the story. She point blank says to me, Carrie, why are you allowing that church to dictate what you should do? Just start something on your own, girl. And I was like, yeah, I'll show that church. I don't need them. And that literally is how Grey Tonic was born. I came home that day and I was fired up. Like I had so much fire in my belly. And I was like, I'm going to share with everybody what the gray areas are, especially with gray area drinking, because that was my personal story. Still is my personal story. And I'm going to share with everybody what this gray area is so that they can get out of it before they get too far deep into something that they can't get out of. And it's no longer a choice because guess what? Being in the gray area it's a choice to be there. It's a choice to be in the gray area. So that is how Great Tonic was born. And I kept it under wraps. I was working at Porsche at the time, loved my job at Porsche. I absolutely loved it. And I was the business manager for a, for a local dealership and it was awesome. I was the only female there. So it was like, I was the queen of the dealership and it was so much fun. I made great money, great, great career. <laughs> Never thought I'd leave but yet I had this burning desire inside of me to start Grey Tonic, but I wasn't a coach. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to help people, I need to know what I'm doing. So the question then became, well, how do I do this? What do I do? And I start asking myself those really good questions. Well, how would I be able to help somebody? Like, What do I need to do to make that happen in order for me to help someone? Well, I need to become a certified coach. I need to become a life coach. I need trauma training. I need to understand NLP. I need to know motivational interviewing. I need to pour into myself further education-wise and personal development-wise. I joined a $30,000 mastermind. And I went all in. And I'm still in a $30,000 mastermind. So I went all in. I'm not saying somebody has to go that direction and, and invest in themselves that much but that was my path. That was my choice. And here's the other big thing. My plan that year, this was the end of 2018. So I'm coming up on five years. At the end of 18, my goal was to work at Porsche till all of 19 and leave Porsche at the very end of 19 into 2020. That's not what happened. We were about, um, I think it was April of 19 I had my website created. I started my my Instagram channel and my Facebook and my LinkedIn was getting optimized. You know, I was doing all the things. I was putting my stake in the ground. I'm open for business. By this point, I have pro bono clients, I'm coaching. I'm doing all the things when I left AA years ago. Prior to that, I had people come back to me and say, "Hey, you know, I know you're doing something. Can you work with me? Can you coach me?" And that's how I got my First few clients that were pro bono is because I was doing it for free. I had to become good. So what do you do? You practice, right? You practice on real people. <laughs> so I'm getting super excited. I could not contain myself. I even got a personalized license plate that says Grey Tonic on it, right? Like I did it the whole thing. Well, I'm at the dinner table. It was April of 19. And I said to my husband, babe, I think I'm going to quit my job soon and uh, go full time with Grey Tonic. He was like, What? I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And he said, babe, you make really good money. And I said, I know. And you're going to have to be okay with that. And he goes, well, what do we need to do to make that happen? And I said, I've already been doing it. So I had paid off all my credit cards. I had sold my Porsche because I drove a Porsche at the time. I'd bought another vehicle that was more manageable for me and so forth. And I had this runway. I built up a runway of six to eight months of income. And I said, I'm going all in. Let's put the seatbelt on, let's buckle it, let's tighten the seatbelt and let's roll. And that's what we did. So even though I had planned on working the whole year of 2019, I I did leave at the very end of May and June, I think it was June 2nd, was my official first day of entrepreneurship 2019. So that's my story on how I got to where I am today.
0: There is so much there to unpack, but, you know, I just want to summarize it for everybody because I want everybody to extract, like, what were the key ideas here? Like what, what was happening, you know, and, and some of the things I want to lift up, you know, you, like you said, this was something that you, you pitched to a church, you got turned down and then somebody said, dude, why don't you just do it yourself? And you were like, you know what? Screw this. I am going to do this myself. Mm-hmm. And you started doing it, but as a side hustle, you knew, let's, let's see where this could go. And I think what's really interesting here is that you had a job that you really loved, that job that you enjoyed. And there were so many good things about it because I think a lot of times people think that reinvention is only something we do when we have a job we hate. No, not necessarily. Sometimes it's we have a job we love. It's just that we're growing into someone else and we want to make that move. And there's nothing wrong with quitting on top. You know, in my book, I write about Michael Jordan leaving basketball when we as fans, we all thought, no, dude, but why? You just won three in a row. You could win another three. Like, don't leave now. You're crazy. But you know what? Didn't matter. His terms dictated that this was the time to go. And by the way, as we know, he came back and won three more championships anyway. So he was still able to do it just on his terms, on his time. You made this decision that, you know what? I love my job, but there's something that I want to grow into now. And and I love how you talked about, you know, there was a key idea here that I think people can really build off of. It's you had these prerequisite milestones in order to unlock the entrepreneurship, full-time entrepreneur level. You know, it sounds like you were very clear about like, I got to pay off these credit cards. I got to do all these things. And when these things are done, then boom, I'm ready to go. You had dates set, you estimated that to be end of 2019, but you hit your targets in April. Yeah, And you decided, I'm ready. I'm, I'm doing this now. And I think that is super empowering for anybody who's listening. One, you don't have to be in a job you hate. You just have to know or be aware that there's a new direction you want to move into. And now's the time to start building it. You also talked about a really important idea, which I think you know sometimes will hold people back. And it's a skill gap for going into the new area. And you identified what the skill gap was. And you asked yourself empowering questions about that skill gap. And then you went and did something about it you started filling in those gaps. You've made the investment in yourself to fill those gaps. So by the time April came, you were like, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's go.
1: Yeah. You got to take ownership and agency. Like even when I started Porsche, I never worked in the car business before. So guess what I did? I got hired. They knew I didn't work in the car dealership before. Right. I went to the college of automotive management and I studied my butt off to make sure I was going to be really good at that job. So we got to We got to be willing to put skin in the game. And that's the thing is that's probably the takeaway I want to leave here is that we really need to be willing to put skin in the game. And that means investing into yourself and also investing in help. So when I first left Portia at that time, like I said, I joined a mastermind. I'm really invested in myself. But prior to that, I actually had invested two other times. I worked with a communications coach that helped me really craft my message through Great Tonic and question the drink. That's when question the drink was born because because of my message being around gray area drinking, I wasn't asking people to quit drinking. I wanted them to question the drink. And that's how that that came to be. But I invested into a communications coach. Prior even to that, I worked with just four phone calls, but I worked with a business coach that helped me kind of come up with a business plan. You know, it was her direction that said, Carrie, listen, if you want to do this, how are you going to help people? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, gosh, I better enroll into school and I better learn how to become a really good coach. And I need to practice like you got to be willing to put skin in the game. That means being 100 percent committed. So my my little saying that I, I like to share now is if you're 98 percent committed, it's not good enough. Because you leave this much of a back door opening that you're going to slide out the back door, and guess what? You're not fully committed. You got to be willing to go all in when you're about to make a, a serious transition or a reinvention, if that's truly what you want. That should be your guiding north. That why has to be such a strong anchor for you, and your guiding north in your principle, and it like holds you not holds you back, but it's almost like an anchor. It holds you steady because guess what? Stuff is going to come up. It's going to knock you off and you got to go back to your why, why you want to do this. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to persevere through it because the entrepreneurial carousel and the journey is not linear. Like you said, it is, I can't tell you how many emotional cries, ugly cries I've had in the past five years. And I mean, some ugly cries, like it's not working. Nothing's working. Like whatever it is, right? It's part of the journey. We've all gone through it. And just to know, like, that's part of the process. And the last thing I want to say, because I think this is so important, we can have a plan for ourselves, which we should. But your plan is just a plan. God's plan is the plan. And I think when you get to a point of releasing any hold on what you think is the right direction for you is when you're going to find more joy and more peace, when you're willing to loosen the reins and sometimes go with the direction and the flow. Rather than holding on so tight and being so strict, like, you know, I could have held on for another year and said, I'm going to continue to work a portion. I would have been miserable because I would have been living out what I knew God had called me to do, which was to go out on my own. So listening to your intuition is another huge piece because, and then you don't want to let the salesperson inside your head talk you out of your intuition because your intuition knows more and we can rationalize and we can put all kinds of logic and theory behind the reasons why we shouldn't do it. Oh, I'm not ready yet. You know, I'm too scared. All the things we can, we can talk ourselves out of anything or talk ourselves into something when we shouldn't. So listen to your intuition is such a beautiful thing to do.
0: I love it. Those are some amazing nuggets of wisdom. So I feel like that's like a perfect mic drop moment here so that we can wrap up our interview. You've got a book coming out for everyone listening. Links are going to be in the show notes. Uh, it already came out, actually. It launched, I think, on the 4th of June. So uh, it's already out and available. Kindle, paperback, order. If you like it physical, if you like it on digital, boom, you can get both. Make sure you pick up a copy. Carrie, we can go to your website. We'll have those links also below. You've shared everything. So I'll make sure that that's in the show notes. So you can look up her work, what she's doing. If you're interested in her coaching, boom, you can look her up as well. So plenty of things that you can follow Carrie on uh plenty of platforms uh carrie thank you again so much we really appreciate your time
1: thank you so much too i appreciate it roger
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the school of reinvention podcast again i'm your host roger osorio If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.